for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings shall we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 87 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hals Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And uh, Will is in a location he's not normally in this week, and he's having a little bit of perhaps internet difficulty, and that's causing a little bit of a delay. So uh, just hang in there with us this, guy, uh, this week, guys. Um, Will really pulled some strings to be available. And he did it for a very special reason, because we have a very special guest this week. We know it. Someone who you have heard. If you have listened to this show, you have heard the thoughts of this this person. He, uh, We had to do some special preparations and talk with the Royal Guard to get him here. <laughs> the carpets had to be rolled out. That's right. We have His Majesty, the King of All Toms, King Tom, on the show this week. Hello, Haws and Will and Blue Harvesters. It's a thrill and an honor to be here. Hey, hey. Is, is that what we call ourselves, Blue Harvesters, or is there another name? I don't know. You know, Johnny is Mr. Fucking uh, Marketing Genius, Rogue One Army, Rogue Winners, Rogue Circle, Circle of Rogue Winners, etc., etc. I don't know what people that listen to Blue Harvest can call themselves. We're also know. good on that. Yeah. Yeah, Grasso, help me out with that. But it's going to be like, oh, people that listen to a podcast that's not as good as Rogue One, a Star Wars podcast for winners. Yo! (laughs) Yeah, right. Yo! I don't read. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, I don't read. So, uh, we've got uh, not a whole lot of news this week. One sort of pretty big little piece of news. And uh, we're going to get to know our buddy King Tom a little better like we do every time we have a new guest on the show but before we do that let's get down to the dirt down and dirty the thing that will likes most about this goofy <laughs> little podcast mm. the business here comes the business give me the business we are beyond proud to be part of the making star wars podcast network where you can hear other shows great awesome shows such as now this is podcasting steel wars Cantina Cast, Idiot's Array, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Rebel Girl, 
Rogue One, a Star Wars podcast for winners, Cargo Hold, and First Order Transmissions. If you want to like us on Facebook, you can at facebook.com slash blueharvestpodcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at blueharvestpod, and you can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. We have two, yes, count them, two new designs up on our T Public store, and that is tpublic.com slash user slash blueharvestpodcast. And that's the business this week, guys. Um, so, Your Majesty King Tom. Yes. I I think we need a little backstory on how you became. Was it like that old Sierra game, King's Quest? Where you yes, you, I com- I completed King's Quest in under three hours. And so then, you had yeah. to gather the magic mirror and the. Uh, that's the only one I can remember. Like there was oh, a, a pot of gold. I can't. Man, I fucking love those games. Oh, so I was more in Space Quest, but King's Quest were oh, pretty cool. Roger Wilco's my yep. dude. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I used to play this. These are games I was playing on my Tandy 1000 when I was a wee lad. Mm-hmm. Um, where did King Tom come from? How did you become known as King Tom? I used to work in TV, and I worked mostly in news, but I also did some stuff at the sports section of the station I worked for, too. And the, there was a group of us. We worked this Friday night football show and basketball show for high schools, and we would all hang out afterwards. And we kind of became friends and just hang out at each other's house. One week we were watching mystery science theater and cause my, my friend had all the episodes on tape and there was an episode where Tom Servo goes off and saying, well, I want to be called King Tom. I want to be called King Tom. So my friend, Mike, he's like, we should call you King Tom. Uh, <laughs> and around this time, this is maybe 2004, 2005. Uh, my friend, my other friend who was there, he set me up with a blog and he called it King's Tom, King Tom's kingdom. And I used to blog. I used to write about Lost in 24 every week and just other stuff that was interested in me. <laughs> and I, I had a little bit of a following and people called me King Tom. So when I started writing into you know, making Star Wars and other Star Wars podcasts, that's what I would write in. So, that's awesome. You know, my, yeah, my small group of friends from TV and people I know from online, that's what they know me as. And my kids. Every now and then, my kids will call me King Tom. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, are you excited about the... Uh, the? It's not even really a reboot. The new uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000s that are going to be coming out on Netflix? Yeah. I, I never... I, I was into it, but it wasn't something oh, that okay. I'd have gotcha. marathons of. But I, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, <coughs> I'd watch it if it was on... Um, and it'd be definitely cool to have it on Netflix for whenever I want because the stuff that's out there now, you know, I don't have the DVDs. I'm, I've seen stuff online, but the quality there isn't isn't that great. Right. So, uh, you know, we have uh, – that question is not a typical Blue Harvest first-time uh, uh, guest question. How did you get your royal moniker? Yeah, so, I feel like I'm deviating from yeah, the right. typical course. Well – I hope you're ready, because uh, here comes the normal ones. What's your first experiences with Star Wars? First memories with Star Wars? I was born in 77. Oh, magic. In September. Yeah. And so it's always been a part of my life. It was the first movie I saw. My father took it, took me to see it a bunch of times. Um, and I had the toys. They were a huge part of me, you know, my life growing up. But for a long time, all I 
knew was the very first movie. I had these other toys that they were Star Wars toys, but I didn't see in the movie, like this big white ship that looked like a whale or this little green guy with an orange snake around his neck. Um, but the first concrete memory I have of Star Wars when I was in kindergarten and my parents were divorced, it was a Friday. My mother tells me, don't get ready for school. Your father's picking you up which was kind of weird. So he picked me up, drove me over to New Jersey, took me to a movie theater where they were playing Star Wars. And, you know, I was five getting out of school for the day and seeing my favorite movie. So I was having the time of my life. Uh, and then the movie ended, went out to the lobby. We didn't go out to the car. We got more drinks and more popcorn, went back into the movie theater. And this second Star Wars movie started. Oh, and I, I I've been told that I sat, you know, on the edge of my seat, my eyes wide open, my mouth wide open. And it was, you know, my first time seeing Empire Strikes Back, back to back with Star Wars. And it was just an incredible experience. You know, my, my father, I lived with my mother. So being with my father anytime I could was great, especially at that age. And that was just like an amazing moment that it, it's always stuck with me. And then a few weeks later, Return of the Jedi came out and we saw it at a, drive in on the opening weekend dude that's awesome so seeing as you are literally born in the year of star wars <laughs> um that puts you sort of like in your early 20s when the prequels really started going right yeah it was phantom menace came out the week i graduated from college oh, okay I, uh, I skipped my uh I, I was in a photography class and our final was an exhibition and I skipped the exhibition to go see it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, a lot of times when you, you hear people uh, talking about the the prequels and people that don't like the prequels, it's just, oh, it's the older generation and, and they're just sour because they just want the same stuff that was in the original trilogies. But seeing as you literally were born in the year of Star Wars... You, uh, you you got to see them in the theaters at a young age, really got to live out the golden era of Kenner Star Wars toys. How mm -hmm. did you enjoy, or maybe not enjoy, the prequels when they came out? Um, they were... It's a little bit of a complicated answer. Their Star Wars loved them, would rather watch them than a lot of other things. But at the time, you know, we were told, oh, that this is going to be it. these three movies and it's going to be it. And I was more interested in knowing what happened to Luke and Han and Leia after the second death star blew up and seeing, right. You know, Obi-Wan and Anakin, even though it was, it was really cool to see. I'm glad we did. He made them. I have, I have some issues with the story and the way they were made. Um, they're not perfect, but they're a part of star Wars. And I, I think, now that we are getting the stories that I wanted to see, uh, I'm a lot better with them. Yeah, I remember, you know, hanging around comic book shops. And Will, uh, jump in if you remember this, because, you know, we're a little closer in age. Mm -hmm. um, but them saying, you know, the people at the comic book store saying, well, you know, we get the prequels first, and then he's going to do a sequel trilogy. And I was really excited for the prequels just because I wanted to see it. But... The whole reason I was most excited, I was like, "All right, we get these three out of the way, and then boom, we get to the sequel trilogy." It was, which is what I'm really down for, you know. Yeah. Um, do you remember ever hearing anything like that, Will, when you were younger? 
I do. I remember, you know, him. I remember the the, the general buzz was he was going to tell the prequel story and then he would tell the trilogy afterward. And but then then once the prequels came out, it became pretty clear that he was not telling that story. And I don't know if he was just butthurt over the fan reaction or scared or, you know, was getting too old. But it came pretty clear that he was not doing those last three movies after the prequels came out. Yeah, and I remember, um, you know, in the lead-up to The Phantom Menace is where I really got into reading about Star Wars online, and I was full in on spoilers and reading message boards. And King Tom, I know, was also, because he has recently been posting some really funny stuff on his Twitter account, which you guys should go and follow him, at Tom Chansky. Yeah. On Twitter, and that's C-H-A-N-S-K-Y. Um, he's been posted some stuff from back in the day uh, of, of like old speculation posts and how there's going to be Mandalorian super commandos and the Jedi. It's going to be this huge battle between Jedi and Mandalorians. And, um, I figured and, you would like that. And fucking, uh, oh, what was the other one that uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan are driving around in the Falcon the whole time? And yeah. I, I don't, you know, remember that specific post, but I remember all of that speculation from when I was a kid. And, and then you had the weird ones where people were like, Obi-Wan Kenobi is a clone of Ben Kenobi. That's why it's, it's OB-1. OB-1, not OB-2. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, it, and people were like, that's why his name is OB-1. He's like the first clone of Ben Kenobi. And I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Come on, guys. Even as a, like a 14-year-old a kid, was, I was like, I don't, mm -mm, I don't buy it. Um, King Tom, do you remember in the sort of spoiler realm of stuff for Phantom Menace, there was a Catholic priest, like a real young guy, who had a site where he would take spoilers and Photoshop scenes out of the Phantom Menace and sort of put them in sequence. Um, yeah. Um, is this the one he was mentioning? He, I remember two images off the top of my head. One was the Trade Federation cruisers, and he had the shakedown. Right. So it was like a, you know, kind of crescent moon with the ball in the middle. And then there was some, like, I think the line that he used in his write-up was Sebulba interfaces with Anakin's engine. Right. And at this point, they thought Sebulba was like a female hut or something. That's what I'm picturing in my mind. For yeah, sure, it, it, it definitely, hut. it definitely got clearer that like it became sort of clearer as the movie got closer but i remember the early days when there was like like we didn't he didn't know who sebulba was he didn't really know what jar jar looked like so it was these yeah. sort of weird representations of these aliens right and then he got into doing stuff for attack of the clones and then the, he just stopped doing it and it's see, like, i didn't see any of the stuff he did for clones i don't i remember the phantom menace site will did you ever do that sort of Reading up on Star Wars in the lead up to the prequels, or were you too busy crushing ass? No, I was probably too busy in the books still, like pre ass. <laughs> pre ass, you were crushing Star Wars books. Yeah, I was crushing books. <laughs> if there's one thing my buddy Will can crush, that's an acoustic guitar. <laughs> that's a fucking a book and ass. Crush them all, and I only say that about if you're the. You're gonna crush something say that about the acoustic guitar because will's skype profile picture is him like it looks like it should be the cover to his first ep 
It's like a <laughs> right? black black and white shot of him with his chin gently resting on the body of the guitar. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. It's a perfect picture. Um, so King Tom, who's your favorite character? You know, that depends on the day. When I was growing up, it was clearly Han Solo. Uh, but now that I'm older and I can appreciate things better, it, it really it goes back and forth from Luke to Leia to Chewie to Lando, uh, even Palpatine some days. Uh, usually Han, but I can appreciate anyone. <laughs> so... I know that's kind of a wuss answer. But. No, I mean, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, like, I'm always going to say Boba Fett is my favorite character. But mm-hmm. in reality, like, if I'm watching Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, Luke is my favorite character. If mm-hmm. I'm watching, you know, The Phantom Menace at that very moment, that's when Qui-Gon's my favorite character. You right. know what I'm Qui- saying? Yeah, and I'm, I'm even leaving out, like, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan from the prequels and Rey. Right. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. I, I, there's so many characters I love, but so I always say Boba Fett's my guy, but there's so many other ones that are really good. Now, seeing as, as Han Solo is, like, your main, you're, in the terms of, like, a, like a Overwatch, if you were like, hey, who's your main? And your, mm-hmm. yours would be Han Solo. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the prequel movie, the the Han Solo, young Han Solo movie? And how do you feel about them that bitch-ass Kylo killing him off? Uh, I was pissed off that Kylo killed him off. Uh, I'm in the no redemption for Kylo Ren camp. My um, man! You know, I, I get into fights with my wife about that. Not fight fights, but you know. Yeah, um, me, Jesse and I have had quite a, a few discussions about that. And I'm like, he can't, he can't, he can't, he killed Han Solo. Yeah, I, I understand, obviously, why, you know, you have to have elements like that in the story. Right. Um, but the, the movie, the more we hear of it, the more we see of it, the more it becomes a real thing, the more I'm looking forward to it. Um, cool. You know, they've they've had two hits they've knocked both rogue one and force awakens out of the park so with kasdan doing it uh glover and uh all did not aaron reich is that how you say his name uh, yeah uh, that's one of those ones like i to this day like uh i don't know how you pronounce the actor who played Baze's name like I keep waiting oh, yeah. because he got locked out from all the press stuff because he, right. he dropped that spoiler and like he he wasn't on the red carpet for the premiere and all that. Like mm-hmm. I never got to hear someone say his name. Right. Um, we need the we need the Gacchino g- g- army in on this one. Yeah. Like where's that guy that uh, corrected me on Michael Giacchino? Giacchino. Yeah. He needs to hit me with that. Mm-hmm. Um. It's been funny seeing the Giacchino thing spread over all these podcasts that that guy sort of added on Twitter and like other podcasts that saw it and heard it. So like, it was like a ripple effect of everybody getting corrected at the same time. And now I correct people. Now I'm that guy. I I do. I do too. Um, uh, did you guys happen to see speaking of the Han Solo movie that uh, this week sometime somebody snapped a picture of Billy D. Williams and Donald Glover having lunch together. No, I haven't seen that. Yes, I think I saw it on Elaine's Twitter this afternoon. Yeah, I think that's who I saw it on too. It was one of those Twitter retweet things and then like I saw someone else retweet it and then someone else. That's really cool to me. Like we already saw the picture of uh, Alden Ehrenreich and, and Harrison Ford having lunch together. 
now mm-hmm. the two Landos are having lunch together. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Um. Well, now that uh, you mentioned something, King Tom, and I was kind of wondering this today, and I want to get both you okay. guys' opinion on this. Like you said, we've had Disney and Lucasfilm together knock Star Wars out of the park, by and large, with their first two movies. When do you think we're going to stop hearing the bullshit where people are like, oh, I don't know, man, it's Disney. They're not going to do anything good. They're going to ruin it. You'll never not hear that. You think so? There's always going to be some rain cloud out there, you know, just waiting for bad stuff to happen. And it'll it'll be a bunch of those butthurt EU fans that, you know, things didn't shake out the way they wanted. And so now they're just forever down about Disney having Star Wars. You know, just you're never going to hear the end of it. Yeah, I'm I'm with Will, whether it's some EU fan or James Cameron or someone. People are always going to talk, you know, when you're at the top, when you're at the top of the mountain, everyone's trying to knock you off. Right. Right. There's going to be a bad Star Wars movie one year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying they're always going to knock it out of the park, but I think there's a couple of things people have to, at this point, sort of trust them on. And that's casting and just like talent, picking talent as far as directors and stuff like. Yeah. They've proven themselves strong, most strongly, in my opinion, in the casting department and the the talent they're picking to direct so and as long as your stories stay quality you'll be fine right and i think they've been able to restrain themselves from you know the phantom menace type oversight yeah star wars is everywhere but it's not as bad as it was back in 99 you know what i i agree with that with rogue one and clearly it it wasn't as everywhere as the phantom menace obviously i do feel like the force awakens came close with sort of the saturation. Now, granted, there were no um, real fast food tie-in deals. That's the only thing I could think of that was sort of missing from the the Force Awakens lead-up. They didn't have that Taco Bell, Pizza Hut. But uh, you know what? I think that's okay because I think it would have given away too much of the story. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I don't think it's a bad thing. because A, because I don't my fat ass doesn't need to be going to Pizza Hut and Taco Bell hunting down fucking... Star Wars. I don't need eight Burger King collector cups. Thank you. <laughs> oh no, no, that is the one thing I feel like they fucked up. I think they fucked up not doing a retro Force Awakens glasses, just like the old Burger King glasses. One oh, of my man, friends, you're a sucker for glass. I am. I'm a I, sucker for Star Wars glass. One of my friends, he still has his Empire Strikes Back complete glass set. Oh, you know, I'm on a, a Facebook group. A few where people buy and sell Star Wars stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I'm on one for Funkos. I'm on one for Black Series. I'm on one for, like, general modern stuff and general vintage stuff. And every now and then, I'll see someone put up a full set of the glasses from A New Hope, Empire, and Jedi. Mm-hmm. And every time, I'm like, I get, today's the day. I'm going e- to message this stranger on fucking Facebook. And I'm going to be like, let's, let's hook up the PayPal account, brother, because I want those glasses. I'm going to bite the bullet one day. Maybe I'll wait for a celebration to track those down. Um, so, <clears throat> we're in the year of Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. What do you want to see most from that movie, King Tom? Uh, most? Wow, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, or what are you looking forward to? Not necessarily most, but like, you know. 
you know, I'd like some some answers to things that were presented in episode seven. I want Luke Skywalker in action. One, I I hope they have something where Luke and Leia reunite. Um, it would have been nice to have Han, Luke, and Leia all yeah. together again. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, even if it's, it would be cool if they snuck in a flashback or something that, you know, they recorded a while back. Um, but I want Luke back. I want, I'd like story answers. And this isn't complaints that we haven't gotten anything. Right. Um, I, I'd love a big balls out space battle. Yeah. Um, I loved what we got in Rogue One. But... Me too. I, well, I, I want a big balls out space battle and I want to see new technology yes. in action. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, if you if I if I ran into you outside of the theater when when Will and I and our big group went to see The Force Awakens for the first time, coming out of that theater, I would have been like, "That's the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen." Like I was so hyped on it, and that's yeah. cooled cooled down, not in a bad way. It's not like I hate the movie or anything, but it's just like I've like tempered that. And if mm-hmm. there's one of the bigger complaints I have about that movie is that we didn't get the new spaceships and and vehicles and stuff to a a high enough degree in my opinion like it was definitely awesome seeing x-wings and tie fighters and stuff again but i almost feel like they could have up designed them way more and still like we could would have known it was the new x-wing but without having it look like you know the old x-wings with the new engine placement basically yeah which is really the ralph mcquarrie old engine placement right and And, you know, I'm hoping we get more of that. It looks like we're getting something like the A-Wing mm-hmm. in Episode 8. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, as these go on, we get some more ships and stuff. Because that's always something I look forward to in these movies. Oh, yeah. You know, it's when when I was growing up, that was one of my favorite parts, the space battles. Right. All righty. Is that all the... Co- Will, did I miss a question for King Tom? Did I get all our... Star- I, I never keep like a list of these. I'll just try to yeah, go no, off my we head. should make a list. I think we got them. I think that's it. Okay. Oh, I know one. What would be, this is one that I've, I've, I throw in sometimes and I can't leave one out when we're dealing with fucking royalty. Um, what would be your dream spinoff movie? What's the spinoff movie you want to see the most? You know, the, I, I was not prepared for this. Uh-oh. <laughs> a dream spinoff movie just off the top of my head uh, because hopefully you know where I'm going from, through with this, but something, and this is totally implausible fanboy dream. They're never going to do this. Something involving time travel. Season five of lost style time travel. Where hmm. you have someone like Ray is going back in time, skipping through different eras, even ones we haven't seen before off the top of my head huh so you you want a spinoff movie dealing with did you say like ray in that like those characters Um, yeah maybe ray travels to some planet on the outer rim there's a a a dilation in time or some shit yeah you know make it star wars right right (laughs) oh man let Damon Lindelof write the script under a pseudonym since everybody wants to fucking hate on him nowadays. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. yeah that, he deserves better. That poor dude got run off of Twitter because of fucking 
Prometheus and the Lost finale. And he was like, I've had enough of this. I'm leaving. Like, I don't need the abuse. Um, all righty. So, in news this week, I think that does it on the question. So, uh, we were talking about him just a second ago. We were talking about his spinoff movie. This week, the Han Solo spinoff movie, Han Solo, A Star Wars Story, Han Solo and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, whatever the fuck it's going to be called, started shooting. And uh, they did this really cool thing. Like, it's real simple, but it's real cool to, to show off the day that they started shooting. They posted the picture board of the first clapper. You know, like the little, is that what you call it? A clapboard clapper? You worked in TV, King Ton. Well, like, yeah, we use video, not film. And right. There weren't scenes and everything. I think it's clapboard, yeah. Okay. And, uh, Will, we have a code name. For ep- or for the Han Solo movie, do you want to take a guess at what it is? Oh my goodness! What? Is- oh, I have no idea. Red cup. Red cup. Yeah. Do you get the significance? Took me a while. Solo cup. Yeah. Yep. yep. Red yeah, solo cup. Red solo cup. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, I am someone, I, I named this podcast Blue Harvest, I'm someone that's sort of fascinated with this whole Star Wars codename thing. <laughs> and I was thinking about it. We got the codename for Episode 7 was either Foodles or Avco, depending on what they were using. We know Episode 8 was Space Bear. We know Han Solo is Red Cup. Did they ever tell us what the code name for Rogue One was? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I want you. I want to say it was in the Rogue One making of art of book. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I actually need to pick that up. I haven't gotten the art of book yet. It's it's pretty good. Do you have the Force Awakens one as well? Yeah. Which one was better? The Force. I think the Force Awakens because it was more linear time wise. Right. Like it shows you what they were starting with. As it progressed from, let's just throw out ideas for what we want to see in the next Star Wars movie, to okay, these are the ideas we're going with, and then the, you know, um, right, and even with some uh, description of what was going on at the time, in it, the Rogue One is more location based. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Well, that's cool. Um, thinking about it uh, after we got this and the picture of that clapper board or clapboard, whatever the fuck that thing is, you know, oh, it was a uh, cut loot. Lunac Heavy Industries. That's what it was. Now I remember hearing that. Okay, not as cool. Okay, so no. like Blue Harvest, that's a pretty good podcast name. Mm-hmm. Um, Space Bear, okay, that could be a, a pretty good Star Wars podcast. Red Cup, uh, that's a little weird. Uh, yeah. Lunac Heavy Industries. Man, that that does not roll off the tongue. Welcome to episode 87 of Lunac Heavy Industries. <laughs> right. Sounds like a hipster band. <laughs> yeah, tonight at the Nick, Lunac Heavy Industries. Um, I see Lunac Heavy Industry and drink craft beer, <laughs> <laughs> and and count beards and plaids. Yeah. Um, I um, I realized today I know what my Star Wars co- collecting holy grail is, and I don't. And and look, this is one of when I say holy grail, it's gonna I'm never gonna find it. Like unless I hit the lottery or something, and this thing goes on auction. But I want the clapboard, clapper board, 
whatever the fuck that thing is called from Return of the Jedi that says Blue Harvest. Oh, on wow. It. And I've seen them. That'd be pretty good. On mm-hmm. some Star Wars Instagram accounts and stuff. So that's what it, uh, that's my Star Wars collecting holy grail. I'm going to try and get a hold of that. You know, if maybe there'll be like a heist movie. <laughs> no. Break into the ranch. Yeah, break into to George Lucas's basement while he's transferring <laughs> everything over to this fucking museum that he's been struggling with so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, interestingly, it was sort of uh, like maybe a, the day before, a couple days before, Donald Glover, who's playing Lando, actually said he hasn't even read the script for the Han Solo movie, which makes me think he's probably not going to be filming for another couple of weeks like they're probably going to bring him in a little later right um could this be second unit they're starting with yeah you know when they say the the it started filming that doesn't necessarily mean the whole thing is up Mm -hmm. and rolling alden ehrenreich is there and woody and they're doing space you know gun (laughs) battles and you know there's a lot of second unit work that goes into a star wars movie and mm-hmm. then, like, if you watch um, Empire of Dreams, that that making of the original trilogy documentary that came with the DVD yeah. set, they've got a guy on the the a New Hope who was basically third unit director, who was like just in charge of uh, filming R two D 2s like third leg pop out of his little <laughs> droid butt and hit the ground, you know, like all those weird little insert shots that you need in a Star Wars movie to showcase like the little bits of technology and stuff so that's a good point king tom it it doesn't necessarily mean um that it's uh it's full on hardcore production yet right uh what do you want to see in the han solo movie king tom or not see necessarily I wouldn't mind something li- a little bit more lighthearted, and I think that's what we're going to get, especially if Kasdan and the dudes from the Lego movie are behind it. Uh, I'd like to see, a, you know, they, they took a lot of chances with Rogue One, and I think most of them paid off. So totally, I'd like to see something that stretches what we know a Star Wars movie to be. I want to see new locations. I wouldn't mind going back to Coruscant or something more. Oh, yeah. Future, you know, I... It, I, I like Coruscant. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm a fan. I, Me too, I, man. I want to go back uh, in episode eight or nine to see you know what's become of it. Um, so I'd like something more metropolitan like that, as opposed or, or, as far as settings go. But story wise, I'm open. I'd like to see what they could do with it. I was a, I was a big fan growing up of the daily books, um, Han Solo's Revenge, Han Solo and the you know, the three where he was in the corporate sector. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It came out in the late 70s. Yeah. Um, I was a big fan of those books. And I, I obviously, they're not doing those. So whenever anyone says, oh, Woody Harrelson is Gareth Shrike, I say, well, what if he's Doc from those books who helped soup up the Millennium Falcon or whatever? Right. Some Z95 headhunters or whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, Z95 headhunters. Man, those used to—I used to dream about those ships before we actually got to see what one looked like, and then it was—it was like, oh, so it's an X-wing with just and one that, set of wings. Yeah, and a bubble cockpit. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you remember King Tom? So you're—you're you're a pretty big EU guy, right? I, 
not necessarily the biggest, but you read, you got into some of it. I read mostly everything up till about the Phantom Menace came out, and then after that, it was more spotty. I'm I'm familiar with a lot of stuff. Okay. But, yeah. Um, Will, do you remember like when we really got a chance to get at the Star Wars figures when they came back in like '96 and '97? Yeah. Do you remember the micro machines that they did then? Yeah, I do. They would do these micro machine sets that looked like a paperback of one of the EU books. And there was one for like Truce Epicura. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one for Heir to the Empire and the, um, what is the Jedi Academy trilogy, which I really liked as a kid. I I, know, I like those books. Like, I, I know it doesn't necessarily hold up that well, but as a kid, I was like, oh, who needs a sequel trilogy? I got Luke Skywalker training new Jedis and there's like a new Death Star and shit. Um, mm-hmm. But they would do these micro machine sets, and you would open the cover, and there would be micro machines of the ships and vehicles and stuff from those books. And I thought it was so fucking cool that I finally got to see what this stuff looked like. Um, and uh, man, I, maybe I should look those up. I'm not even like the biggest. I don't have even the biggest nostalgia for those books, but those are those would be pretty neat to have. Do you remember those, Will? I don't. I mean, I remember the micro machines, but I don't remember them coming with the books. The uh, the other micro machines that were cool were the like the heads, like yeah, I had some of the Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Darth Vader's head would open up, and it would be the carbonite che- or carbonite freezing chamber from Empire. Yeah, and you'd have all the little figures and stuff. They did some cool stuff. Um, something I, I I'll bring this up to you guys. King Tom as a classic Kenner era kind of kid. You had Star Wars playsets, right? You mean the diecast miniature micro collections? Well, that when or, I say playsets, like the Moss Eisley Cantina playset or the Death oh, Star playset, or I had Hoff Dagobah. Are you talking like you were talking on uh, Rogue One? Yeah, like they don't yeah. make those anymore. No, they don't. And, I had J- Jabba with the on top of the box. Yeah, I, I had a few of them. I didn't. Ha- I didn't have the Death Star. Right, um, and I didn't have the ones with the cardboard backing, right. but I, like I said, I had, um, I definitely had Dagobah and a few of the others. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's weird that they don't do that anymore, and I didn't even think about that until I was on the Steel Wars call-in show last week, and Steel brought it up, and I don't know how I've never noticed that that's not a thing anymore. Like you can't go get a Jakku playset or a you know, a Scarif playset. It seems like they don't do many vehicles either. No. Well, you know, they definitely do more vehicles than playsets. The infuriating thing to me, at least, was in the lead up to The Force Awakens, the vehicle playsets that they did that aren't in the movie. Like, there was like, he looks cool, the black stormtrooper on the black speeder bike Mm -hmm. that came out, and then... um, uh, there was like a, almost an ATST type walker that a first order trooper ran, uh, like rode up in and top. Right. And, and it, th- there was something like that in Revenge of the Sith, but not in Force Awakens. Right. And and like, I don't know what the deal was with that. And then, you know, for Rogue One, you get the U-Wing and the TIE Striker because those are the new things. And those were really the only vehicles they did for Rogue Well, no, the giant ACT or whatever. $200 walker which by the way if anybody out here is looking for one of those 
uh, check places. Apparently, those are being clearanced out at some places already. Oh, wow. So, uh, <laughs> that's that's the only way I'm getting one of those. Mm-hmm. Well, my friends, why don't we do some emails? It's a nice little chance to get uh, to get some King Tom perspective on the uh, the peons' opinions. These peons, my they're not peons; they're my friends. I know, I know. I'm just playing <laughs> up the king thing. Well, oh. we know there's a, a way we start off the email segment now, and. Uh, if it weren't for the person we have on the show right now and our buddy Joe, this song would never be a thing. The the genius that is Steve D. Mundy and his buddy G. Money would have never gotten together on the wheels of steel with the headphones and the microphone. That's right, it's time. Chicks with his bud, Kitty Cockhead, to stroke his cone and suck on his balls, Kitty Cockhead. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow, Cockhead. Blueheart, Cockhead, Hasbrugger, Cockhead, Will Win, Cockhead. I love that song. Oh my God, so do I. Thank you to uh, G Money and Steve D for immortalizing me like that. I'm telling you right now, I've been talking to Steve. He's been a very busy guy uh, moving across country and whatnot, but... There, there may be a new song in works, so wow. uh, I, I just can't wait. Like, I'm more excited about that than any album I've ever been excited <laughs> for in my life. Um, so, King Tom, I do have to ask you, we have a bit of conundrum here. I'm looking through our emails and voice messages, and we have an email from King Tom himself. Oh, from... Do you want to... I, an- I-, I think you got to answer your own first email. I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, He's actually up first. King Tom, king of all Toms. So, Will, uh, I don't know if I told you this last week. Um, We have been dubbed the uh, (laughs) Saved by the Bell of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. How? Why? (laughs) Because (laughs) we come out on Saturdays like Saved by the Bell used to. And Randy from Now This Is Podcasting, when they were uh, announcing that we were part of the network, said that we were basically the Saved by the Bell of Star Wars Podcasting. I'll fucking take it. You know how many... <laughs> if people listen to our show as much as I used to watch Saved by the Bell reruns, watch out now. It's a whole new world. Dude, as long as I'm not Screech, we're oh. good to go. <laughs> no. As long as I'm not Screech, we're fine. You're uh, you're a, a definitely, think, I think, AC Slater type. Oh, I don't know about all that. 
I say AC Slater because ass AC, crusher. Exactly. As we all know, AC crushed an ass or two. He had long, beautiful hair. He could dance. Do you remember AC Slater dancing? I know you got the moves, Will. <laughs> I'm trying to, to, to take it way back to the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> That's way back there, dude. I would be uh Jesse Spano, but only in the episode where she gets addicted to speed <laughs> and has the meltdown while she's singing I'm so excited. But here we go. From King Tom, Mr. Belding and Mr. Carosi. Who's Mr. Carosi and that's who who is that in Saved by the Bell? Which guy was that? When they I don't know. Went to the resort for that oh, one my. year. He's Leah Remini's dad. Oh my god. <laughs> The guy that owns the the resort, right? Was that Ernie Sabella? I think so. <laughs> okay. Reminded me of Carl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tonight. So, King Tom, who did you see as Mr. Belding and Mr. Car- <laughs> or And who did you see as Mr. Carosi? I was just more going with the authority figure angle. I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, so this title, I love it. You're referring, of course, to... The Last Jedi. Didn't expect to get it, so it made the whole week pretty good. As for as far for what's next, my guess would be a trailer at Celebration, followed by an info-slash-picture dump around May the 4th. My question, what do you guys think the first trailer will be like? Will it be a quick, visual-only teaser like the first The Force Awakens trailer, or will it be longer with dialogue? I'm hoping for the second, something tonally along the lines of that Sith trailer that used the previous unseen angle of Obi-Wan talking about Vader hunting down and destroying the Jedi. My hope, the last shot of the trailer is a close-up of a robotic hand with a lightsaber flying into it. Cut to black, the sound of the lightsaber being ignited. All I know is the, is the day they're going to show the trailer, I need an extra pair of pants with me wherever I am. Thanks for reading. Your pal, King Tom. So, William, uh, before we break the space-time continuum and have King Tom answer his own email, even though he kind of answered his own email in that email, now that I think about right. it. Right. Uh, I what think do you that King s- Tom fell is spot on, by the way. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to tell you a theory that I formulated on the Steel Wars call-in show and see what you think about it. It, it pertains to Episode Eight, But before right, I me. do that, what do you think we'll see, or what do you want to see, in this first trailer that we're probably going to be getting in a couple of months. As, as far as what I think we'll see is just severe minimal teaser, like kind of like maybe even less than the force awakens teaser um, for the very first one. But, and then in the second one, I think you'll get more story and, and it'll, it'll be real hype. But I think that first one is going to be so scant. Everybody's going to watch it. Like twenty times back to back, just to pick up, you know, half seconds of footage. Yeah. Now, when King Tom, when you say the first TFA trailer, you mean that one we got on Black Friday that was just the yeah. fade to blacks. There was no dialogue except for the snow lines. Right. I think it'll be more like the second Force Awakens trailer with Chewie. We're home. I don't think we're going to get a ton of footage. It's probably only going to be like maybe a minute and a half, maybe two minutes if we're super lucky. But I think it'll be more like that than the first one. And I only say that because I don't know that we're going to get that kind of teaser again. You know, that Force Awakens one was kind of an aberration in the Star Wars promotion so far. came out over a year before the movie. They had just finished filming pretty much. Um, 
So, and, and like, I think they just did that to sort of appease fans because people wanted it so much and they wanted to get some footage out there. But if, if you're following along at home, it seems like they're following a similar promotional um, strategy that they did to Rogue One, where mm-hmm. we'll get the first trailer or something in, in about April, a few weeks, or a, like a couple of weeks after the, the Blu-ray release. Do you um, think it'll have footage that they don't use a lot like the Rogue One did? I don't know. I'm hoping that's a thing of the past, but at this point, you got to kind of think that maybe it's not. Um, It's weird because the Force Awakens footage that was in the trailers that wasn't in the movies turned out to be stuff that was actually filmed for the movies that they just didn't use or they used different takes of in the final movie. With right. Rogue, Rogue One, there's stuff in those trailers that was never even intended to be in the movies. That's what's like wholly weird. different right. content. Yeah. That's yeah. what's weird about that one. And I think because of the reshoots and, and the stuff that went on with that, that's why we got some of that. I hope Disney's marketing people don't continue down the road of, well, it looks cool and it'll get people excited, so put it in the trailer, even though it's not going to be in the movie. Right. Um, so, yeah, I hope they sort of steer away from that. Um, something that I wanted to uh, run by you guys, I think this would be cool. Um, if when Luke finally does whip out the saber in episode eight, uh, it's, it's been an R2 the whole time. Like since Kylo slaughtered the Jedi or, or whatever it was Luke had going on when Luke left and left R2 behind, he left his lightsaber inside him sounded dirtier than a minute um that does sound dirty but it would be appropriate i i know i know for a fact people would hate on it and be like they're just rehashing again to me that's the good kind of rehash to call back to that and and have luke up against the wall at some point in episode eight and he has to turn to his good buddy r2 the walter white of fucking droids um and get him to shoot that lightsaber out and and it goes into the robotic hand oh my god I mean, it's it's also very monkly, you know, and him spending his time in solitude is also very monk-like, you know, taking a vow of nonviolence or a vow of non-saber-tude. Um, so, King Tom. I think Will is right. It's it's something that, like, a monk would do. And I, I right. heard I heard this, the Steel Show, I think, Monday. I was listening to it, and I, I loved that idea. And... Um, all I have to say is that I, I hope that Steel has the seats around him free when he sees Luke ignite the green for the first time. Uh, because if someone's too close to him, I fear for their safety, and I mean that in the best of ways. <laughs> I, I, I think it's I think it's a great idea. It's it's the type of callback that that works. It's not it's not fan service in the negative way, and I think it'll blow a lot of people's minds. Right. I just can't see a world where they don't have Luke Skywalker using a lightsaber. Like, I understand the... I mean, he has to. I mean, yeah, he has to. I understand the the approach of, oh, well, let's just show him really powerful with the Force. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that makes a lot of sense from one standpoint because, you know, he should be more powerful 30 years later. It also makes uh, sense from a standpoint that Mark Mark Hamill's like a sixty-plus-year-old guy. He's not as limber as he used to used to be. Like he, and doesn't necessarily want to be whipping a lightsaber around everywhere. But I think 
If you don't get it in eight, it has to be in nine. That's the only reason I don't see it being in eight at some point is because they want to hold it for nine, which I hope they don't because I'm impatient. Dude, I, I know you're going to hate this, but if you can get Mark Hamill to lightsaber fight and Jalen Silent Bob strike back and you don't have him lightsaber fight in episode <laughs> eight, I'll be pissed. Oh, I, why would I hate that? <laughs> no, I, I mean, that that's a good point. Now, granted, <laughs> that movie uh, now, I mean, is 15, almost 16 years old at this point, so... That's a good bit of time, but I still think you could get him do a little Christopher Lee magic. I was about to say Christopher oh. Lee and Alec Guinness both swung lightsabers like pros. But he and he's in better shape than Alec Guinness was, even though he's the same age yeah. as Guinness was during episode four. And like Will said, you could studio magic it up to make it look real. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. All right. So next up. We have a email from our buddy Dean in Australia. Dino. Dino. Uh, what's cool about Dean? Um, I don't know if you guys know this on uh, that. Listen, Dean um, is a an author. He's got some published work, and I actually right on. ordered one of his books for Jesse for part of her book club that she's doing with her sisters. So. Uh, she's going to give it a read. Maybe I'll get her to come on and do a, a Rogue One, or not a Rogue One, a Blue Harvest <laughs> review. <clears throat> Man, I'm all mixed up. Podcast mixed up. Uh, you guys should check him out. It's Dean Mays, right? M-A-Y-E-S. It, I think it, yeah, his Twitter is something else, though. Right, right. But yeah. if you're going to look up his, uh, I'll give his Twitter in just a second. <clears throat> but if you're going to look up one of his books, that's what I, I looked him up by. Looking forward to checking it out. <clears throat> this is what he has to say. Hey, Halls and Will. Dean from Australia writing in. I hope you're both doing well this week. I was giving some thought to the legacy of Rogue One in terms of how their sacrifice inspired the Alliance to bestow, <clears throat> bestow the title of Rogue One on the Rogue Squadron. Given that Rogue One's Scarif mission was con conducted in secret, and to the greater Alliance at least, the members of Rogue One were anonymous, how do you think the Alliance memorialized their deeds in the aftermath of the Scarif battle? At some point, their story would have been told, or else we wouldn't have seen Rogue Squadron in The Empire Strikes Back. At least in this new canon, anyway. But I'm curious to wonder what their legend, to how their legend was passed forward in Alliance circles. Thanks for the Blue Harvest podcast and kind regards as always, Dean from Australia. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, that's interesting, especially considering when they announced Rogue One and didn't really give any information on it, immediately everybody's mind, rightfully so, went to like a, a Rogue Squadron X-Wing style movie, right? Mm -hmm. um, right. And I feel like the rogue squadrons the rogue one sacrifice is what cemented the rebellion as a cohesive resistance you know like like as a unit because in in the movie rogue one it seems like a bunch of factions that aren't sure that they should help one another or aren't sure how much manpower to lend to one another or how to come together and then you know rogue one's just like fuck it we're we're going to go do it and then everyone else you know kind of cohes cohesives around them and uh you know, it's very honoring for them, for Rogue Squadron to be named after that first great sacrifice of the Rebellion. And I mean, like, from what we see of the Rebellion in all the other movies, like, there's, they're, they're big on parties and, like, medal ceremonies after big battles. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I can yeah. imagine there was a party and a medal ceremony, you know, very, very, very scant. You know, it might have been just space ales around a campfire, but, uh, 
you know, they throw down after they get a victory. <clears throat> yeah, and it's hard sometimes for me to uh, separate old canon stuff from the EU and stuff. Just because it's ingrained stuff. in your mind. I yeah. Know yeah. Yeah. So, like, I always think about, well, Rogue Squadron was started by Luke Skywalker and Wedge Antilles together, and, like, they did it. And Unnecessarily. Not necessarily yeah. now. So, <clears throat> maybe Mon Mothma came up. You know, that seems like something maybe she put in a place. Like, okay, you guys are Rogue Squadron. And Mon Mothma would have had knowledge of what the, uh, you know, Rogue One squad did in uh <clears throat> the movie um who knows i am sure that is one of those little pieces of information that will get filled out at some point i don't think it'll be a movie it could be mm -hmm. a comic or uh, a bit of text in a you know a source book or something but i think that's something that they you know clearly set up for rogue squadron to be inspired by the rogue one crew what do you think king tom um yeah, it's questions like this that make my head hurt, but in a good way. Right. Because I, th I think way too much, because after seeing the movie, you know, I, I, I thought something similarly. Like, how are these people remembered? And if you look at what's presenting, presented in the movie is you have the Alliance officer and his droid, the woman they busted out of prison, an Imperial pilot, and then two stowaways. And you see them on Yavin, and then they, you know, go off to Scarif, so... Who really knows who these people are? In the book, I think it actually says that that time they were on Yavin and having the conference, that was maybe maybe like about half a day. And okay. Bodhi and everyone else was interviewed by Alliance Intelligence. So the book kind of gives the idea that, yeah, they know who these people are. So maybe later on, I think that's one of the way they memorialize them, naming their top fighter squadron, Rogue Squadron. Maybe they do something else for them as individuals and not just anonymous people who hooked up with an Alliance intelligence officer who was doing a mission. Right. Right. Cause I love thinking of stuff like that, even though it, it <clears throat> takes a while to wrap my head around. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, you're right. Really the only one, the Alliance would have enough knowledge of if just from the, the movie standpoint would be Cassian because everybody else really isn't associated with the Alliance. You know, Cassian and K2, like, I'm sure if you know Cassian, you know his fucking droid best friend with the smart mouth. <clears throat> All right. So next up, we have an email from our buddy Peter. Hey, fellas. So let's say that the Mandalorians join the Rebellion after Sabine wins them over, as you were talking about last week, and convince them to join the fight against the Empire. Wouldn't it be awesome to think that they would be the ones who'd say, fuck the Council and their pussy decision to just sit and wait it out? They would be the ones who went in with Jen to Scarif to take the offensive, even if they knew it was a suicide mission because it was for a cause they believed in. Even if they didn't go, you better be damn sure they were there with Admiral Raddus and the first wave of fighters who go to Scarif. It's the Battle of Thermopylae for the Mandos. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if they had the same saying as the Spartans from ancient Greece. Mandalorian, come back with your shield or... or Mandalorian, come back with your shield or on it. Shit, I need to have the story of Tar Vizsla, the first Mandalorian Jedi now. Netflix, you're sitting on a gold mine here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Rebels wouldn't tie into Star Wars movie verse like this, even though it would be pretty fucking awesome to think the Mandalorians were there kicking some ass on Scarif to help get those Death Star plans. Keep on rocking uh, Desert Fox 5. 
Um, man, that is a cool idea. But I, I think if those guys that went with Jen on uh, Scare for Mandalorians, you think they'd have the Mandalorian armor on. Mm-hmm. Man, that would have been cool, though. It would have been cool if there was just one of them. Some and, jetpacks. Yeah, or, you know, just one of the guys in that big mercenary group that went to Scarif was a Mandalorian. And, like, you don't even have to make him a main character. Just making him a background character like Boba Fett. And I would have just, oh, I would have been a puddle on the floor. <laughs> a greasy white puddle. Um, that is true, though. Netflix, I mean, where's my Bays and Churret Netflix anime? You know, like, oh, my God, there's so much opportunity right there. I don't know about Bays and Churret, but I do think we it's a matter of time before we get some more stuff like that. As Star Wars fans, we can be impatient. I know I am, and we want it now. But, but I mean, we just waited 30 years for like the conclusion of a story. But you're also talking about Disney spending a lot of money on Star Wars. <clears throat> they got to get the movies going. You know, get the pipeline for the movies going to, to really make that money back, like... They can make a lot of money off a Star Wars TV show. I don't know that they're going to make $2.5 billion at the box office with a Star Wars TV show. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I just know that Marvel has got its fingers in those pies already. Yeah, but that and it, they're, it took them. You got to think. Iron Man came out in two, 2009, and the, the first Marvel TV show was in like 2013. 2014 whenever agents of shield started um and honestly i still watch that show but it's not because i'm like man this is a good show it's just because i've i'm already so deep into it i might as well just finish i feel like once they did the whole betrayal of um oh my god ward or whatever that guy's name was yeah what's what's the anti-shield hydra hydra once they did like the betrayal of Hydra, that big thing, like it kind of lost steam. I felt like. Um. Yeah. What are you? Uh. How are you feeling on Rebels, King Tom? Since we're talking about Rebels with Peter's email, we didn't really get your opinion on that. How are you feeling I, about Rebels? Overall, I like Rebels. Uh, I think it's it's a time period I'm interested in, and I can relate to it a lot better than I could the Clone Wars. It's not to say I don't like the Clone Wars. It just jumps around a lot where rebels is more focused i think a lot of the criticism about the material we're given i think i think that is spot on about how but that's that's like with lost and everything goes back to lost for me Uh, me Um, too buddy with lost you know they had so much space to fill so you're gonna get stories like lock builds a crib or the story of Jack, Jack's tattoos. Oh, you know, one I, I don't like is the attaching the note to the seagull seagull's oh, foot yeah. with, uh, with Claire and uh, Char- Charlie. Ch- Charlie. Yeah, yeah, you have these interesting stories that you want to see move on, and they build up and build up. And I think that was right around the time that uh, Jin and Desmond and Charlie, no, not Charlie. This was probably right before then, before Naomi fell. Fe- landed on the island right right you know you're building up momentum and then stop and pay attention to everyone building seagull you know building the sos sign with bernard or oh my god yeah the seagulls um i think when you have to fill 20 whatever episodes a season you're going to have episodes like that in whether it's lost or whether it's rebels and 
what I'd like to know is uh, why is it taking Darth Maul forever to get to Tatooine? <laughs> he, he's had the vision. He knows where the planet is. Right. That and is. Yeah, you don't think it's that much of a hyperspace jump away. <laughs> right. Maybe he's like, okay. This this I would love this when the, when it comes when this the episode comes <clears throat> where we get to see uh, Obi Wan and Maul uh, face off. I hope it does a flashback to show him seeing the vision, and he's like, all right, I'm gonna go fight Obi Wan. But before I do that, training montage. And so oh, for or like, whatever, <laughs> not even a training montage. That's like knowing you're gonna bite the dust. He goes out in a blaze of glory. He like goes and gambles, and then like you know, oh, gets you, some spice, gets a girl, and then he's like, I'm gonna take my time making it to Tatooine. Come on, you know, but Darth Maul legitimately believes he's gonna be able to beat Obi Wan. He's a Sith. He doesn't think like he's not like, oh, I'm gonna go there and die. He's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat that motherfucker. But he's not going to. He's no. not going to. Tell you right now, you ain't going to. Um. Yeah, yeah. I will be interested to go back and watch Rebels in sort of a marathon binging type fashion because yeah. I think when I do that, it won't make the the sort of filler or I don't even know about the, the episodes where the big stuff isn't happening won't make them feel as as much of a disappointment because I don't have to wait a week in between and stuff. Right. Well. The- I was going to say, the thing I liked is, looking back on it, that uh, the Princess Leia episode, everyone watching that was like, okay, it's an okay episode. It's just an excuse for them to get Princess Leia into the story. But what it really was, was a way to set up how the Rebellion got these Hammerhead Corvettes, which were used in Rogue One. Right. And so I think, I, I, I liked the episode. I like it a lot better now, knowing that. And I, I'm wondering if there are other things they're setting up that when Rebels is all said and done, and you can marathon it, you can binge it, you look back and, oh, that's what they were doing there. Right, right. That that will be interesting to see, for sure. And, and, and you know, I look back on Clone Wars very fondly, but I, if I look back on it with a realistic point of view, there were times during the Clone Wars when I was getting frustrated, but it was because of the week-to-week thing. And now watching, going back and watching Clone Wars, if there's a week episode, well, I know... It's only a couple before, you know, it really picks up and there's something awesome. So right. I'm hoping that's how I end up feeling about Rebels once it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Next up, we have a email from Richie in Boston. Will and Halls. I hope you let me indulge in a somewhat slow news week. I'd like to jump into my favorite character in Rogue One, Captain Cassian Andor. My God, I fucking love Diego Luna. He really pulled this character off. Several weeks ago, I discussed the roles that certain types of people play within warfare, their methods and outcomes. Recall Cassian Andor's role within the Rebellion? Rebel intelligence. He is the spy in the group, and the spies have their place. Another little-known portion of history within the American Revolution is the role that the spies played in securing an American victory. Without Washington's spy program, we would have not have won the war for our own independence. If anyone is interested in a Cliff Notes version of the story, I was recently turned on to an AMC television sh- series called Turn, Washington Spies. I think it's on Netflix, too. Another bit of homework for people who are interesting, interested in why Cassie and Andor is so fucking awesome and is a series of books. The late Vince Flynn wrote a series of novels about a fictional American spy named Mitch Rapp 
and his methods. My understanding of these books makes me scream at my radio when I hear that people are turned off by Cassian Andor and the fact that he killed that man in the marketplace scene. He's a spy. Of course he's a killer. But he's doing the nasty, gritty work for his cause. And if the the cause serves the higher purpose of liberty, then sometimes you have to do crazy shit. Americans Americans didn't win their freedom nor stop the Nazis by being choir boys. Diego Luna portrayed a hardened soul, a man who was fucked with by the Empire his entire life. He wasn't a dumb fuck like Saul, whose brutality was out in the open, thus providing an easier target for the Empire. Cassian Andor was clandestine, quiet. He worked in the shadows, quiet enough to not present a target to the Empire and brutal enough to not be caught. Because if he is caught... Then he caught. Then the cause suffers. He decided to take his rage and channel it in a productive way. I love this fucking character, and I love the actor even more for nailing it. Your pal, Rich. Rich likes him some Cassian Andor guys. I mean, I do too. Yeah, I. You know what? It's just the shock that it's the what what Richie's talking about is that initial shock of seeing one of the good guys do something so fucked up. You know what I mean? Not but it's real. because they're all damned. It they're is. all damned anyway. It is. And, and you know, Cassian Andor ends up doing the more noble thing in the end. Like, he could have just been like, fuck that. I'm not helping that Jen girl. But, like, you know, he believes her. He, he I feel, sort of makes wants to make up for, <laughs> for, you know, thinking about fucking sniping her dad and stuff. And decides to go on the mission. Um, what What were your opinions on all cassian your majesty um first of all i'm a little bit disappointed this wasn't a voicemail because i wanted to hear rich say cassian andor cassian andor cassian andor oh um, my god king tom good one buddy thanks. i can't I'm originally from the northeast from new york so oh, okay yeah i can't do i am nowhere near i i cannot do a good boston accent that's my best and even if you could he would tell you it was crap he would, he would, and I would deserve it, and I'm fine with that, Rich. Um, but no, I think, I think Rich is spot on. Uh, you know, he said, he said, characters like this, the spy element that's necessary in a rebellion, you have to do crazy shit for liberty. That's exactly right, and I think it, it got a lot of notice because you never saw this side of the rebellion before. Right, that's what I'm saying. It was a shock. Take, yeah, we knew. We knew that Saw was going to be out there and do crazy stuff, but I don't think we expected to see someone who was in the rebellion kill a source just so he could get away. Um, and I thought that was one of the things that made Rogue, Rogue One great. It gave uh, a lot of story to the rebellion. It showed different dimensions of them. And I, I appreciated that as a fan. Yeah, it definitely... It definitely showed the side of the the rebellion that makes sense that it would be there. You know what I mean? It's just that we hadn't gotten to see it yet. When, but go ahead, bud. Oh, I was going to say, and it, it kind of also shown leadership too, because you, I, I had that email in the, um, which I kind of forgot I wrote in a Rogue One about the three senators, right? Because um, I wrote another one this week, but no, the the three senators, you know, they're all high and mighty how should we why should we listen to Jin? she's a criminal forgetting that by being a part of the rebellion they're criminals too i i would guess they're the kind uh who don't like people getting their hands dirty 
Right. And they think they can go, they think they can seek peace with Palpatine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there, there's things the rebellion, you know, the rebellion is not going to embark on genocide. The rebellion doesn't seem like it's going to torture people. But they right. are going to do things. And Mon Mothma, on the other hand, she she wants to go to war. She has that smile when, you know, the one guy tells her that Radis's fleet is already taken off. Right. I love that part. Oh, yeah. that's She's like, yeah. fuck, yeah, that's right. They've already taken off. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think it was more just an initial shock. I I cooled on that opinion. It's just he shoots that dude right in the back, and I saw someone yeah. be like, "Oh, it's maybe it was a stun shot." No, that wasn't a stun shot, bro. That was a a shot to kill right in the kidneys. See you, bye. Well, next up, uh, I haven't gotten to listen to this voice message yet, but. And I don't know if he knew that King Tom was going to be on this week. But uh, a certain somebody left a message. And uh, I think think King Tom will have some things to say about this. It's his best friend, Kiyadi (laughs) Mundi. Yes, and hello. Greetings to the Blue Harvest podcast, especially your hosts, Haas and Will. And all of the brave, triumphant, lion-hearted Blue Harvest podcast listeners, if you cannot tell by the amazing but somewhat exhausted, admittedly, uh, sound of my voice, this is the great Jedi, Ki-Adi Mundi. Now, it has been an exhausting couple of weeks, which I shall discuss in just a moment, but first, I wanted to congratulate Haas and Will on joining the makingstarwars.net podcast network now of course you know it was not that long after the great uh, steve ad mundy came up with the great song about key ad mundy who is myself and i'm sure that was the overriding deciding factor that allowed the blue harvest podcast to be picked up by such an outstanding <laughs> network of other star wars podcasts now again i do not like going more than a week without leaving you a voicemail from eon coruscant Uh, But as I said at the start of this voicemail, it has been quite a trying couple of weeks. Uh, First of all, Master Kit Fisto uh, left another voicemail, and he implied, oh, some such stories, I don't even know. I believe on the planet Earth, uh, your leader refers to lies now as alternative facts, so we'll just call pretty much anything Master Fisto says about me as alternative facts. Now, the reason the last couple of weeks have been so exhausting is that in addition to battling all those uh, separatist bastards, uh, we can just never seem to win this clone war yet, but I'm sure it will happen. Uh, as Master Windu once said, we are keepers of the peace. We are not soldiers. So there are sometimes that things happen throughout the galaxy, including possibly planet Earth, where we Jedi have to swoop in and save the day. And that actually has been happening quite more recently. There has been an increase in the number of animals in what uh, the planet Earth refers to as zoos uh, that have been escaping. Uh, For example, now these are just two that you are aware of, Uh, in the city Norfolk, Virginia, there was a red panda that escaped a couple weeks ago and it has not been found yet. 
Then in Washington, D.C., there was a bobcat, I believe you call it, um, that was reported missing but actually was found within the zoo premises. Way to go, Washington Zoo. Now, to assist in keeping the peace uh, throughout these displays of wild and domestic animals uh, throughout the galaxy, I was dispatched to figure out what was going on with all of these animals escaping the zoos. Well, long story short, it turned out to be Masta Fisto himself. You see, when he strikes out with women, which seems to happen virtually every day, he feels the need to take his urges out uh, elsewhere, and you know I'm sure there are <laughs> that poor red panda. So I won't get into any details, but let's just say that there are reasons that the animals are trying to escape the zoo, and it is in fact because of Master Kid Fisto. In case I'm not being clear enough, he likes having sex with animals. <laughs> now, because I am both. A very great Jedi, and yet uh, incredibly <laughs> humble. I uh, confronted Master Fisto, you know, and it was very, um, very cordial, and we uh, resolved everything, and he knows to um, leave the zoos alone. And in fact, <laughs> he offered to take me to McDonald's. There was a sale on the delicious, mmm, yum, McRib sandwiches that you have discussed recently on other Star Wars podcasts. Yes, you heard it here first. Kia D. Mundy loves the McRib sandwich. Now, unfortunately, this was all just a ruse by Master Fisto again because he, in fact, wanted to have sex with the McRib sandwiches. So, as you can see, it has been a trying couple of weeks uh, winning all these battles for the Republic during the Clone Wars, but also trying to uh, save the animals and save the McRib sandwiches. So with that said, I leave you all on this note. I actually am composing a an alternative version of the Kia D. Mundi song, which, of course, was made in my honor. My honor being Kia D. Mundi. But of course, the recording of said song is dependent on defeating the Separatists and keeping Master Fisto in check. So with all of that said, I'm going back to McDonald's to get some McRib sandwiches. May the force be with you. Wow. Yeah. That poor red panda. <laughs> now, come on, Those guys. Poor animals. You can't tell me that me wanting to hug that red panda is, is worse than what poor Kit or what fucking Kit Fisto is wanting to do to him. <laughs> Oh my lord! Oh, when he finally got to the punchline about how Kit Fisto was fucking the escaped animals, <laughs> I lost it. Good job, Kia D. Good job. I also like the mental image of Kit Fisto balls deep in a McRib. But who doesn't want to do unspeakable things to a McRib? Hey, that's what I was about to say. Because like I could go for getting like I passed a McDonald's today, and I was like, mm, should I pull in and just see? Will I get lucky? Like, I thought about pulling over and doing a Google search. Is, is the McRib back yet? Um, what did you think about that, King King Tom? Your best friend. I, I wish that we had gotten this Kia D. Mundy in the movies. <laughs> oh, my God. If Kia D. Mundy, if 
there was a storyline in the prequels where it was just Kia D. Mundy going around <laughs> the galaxy trying to keep Kit Fisto from fucking defenseless animals. And hanging out in strip clubs. And hanging out in strip clubs and eating McRibs. Yep. I feel a fan film coming on. Well, that, yeah, that would be Riding awesome. around in the, the Honda with his head poking out the top. <laughs> <laughs> that is the incredible Photoshop work of, Key, of King Tom. I know. His Majesty, our 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 ruler, the ruler of the Star Wars podcast lands, the Star Wars community podcast community bicycle, King Tom himself graced us with that image. I was I was inspired by my friend Joe. That's all I'll say. Yeah, man, it's 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 bad. It's a shame that Joe couldn't write in yeah. uh, on the week you're going to be in. Well, that being said, I'm going to do a little what our buddy Steel would call sizzle sometime in the future. We will be having King Tom back, and Will will be here, and the fourth piece of this delicious puzzle. King Tom is the delicious bread. I'm the the pork patty, shaped to look like ribs. (laughs) Will is the barbecue sauce slathered on top of that pork patty. The pickles and onions, Joe will be on too, and we'll finally have the two sides of the Kia D coin here to The complete Mahrib. The com- the microb will be complete. <laughs> All right, so we got one more voicemail uh, for the evening, and then we'll call it a night. And this is from our buddy Chuck. First time uh, doing a voicemail into us. I I can guarantee you. I haven't listened to it. All the way through, I did check it to see if it was working because he was worried it, it, that it didn't come through. But I can guarantee you, this will not be about. Kia D. Mundy having sexual relations with a red panda and a bobcat. Oh, thank you, palate cleanser. Hey, Oz and Will. This is Chuck from Orlando. I talked to you the other day, Oz, on the Steel Wars call-in show about the uh, about Boba Fett. And I kind of wanted to continue that conversation. I was wondering um, a couple of things. One, um, Do you prefer the EU version of Mandalorians? Or do you prefer the new George Lucas Clone Wars Mandalorians? Also, um, when Steele asked me about um, before or after Return of the Jedi, I chose before because I really want to see Boba Fett in his prime like, I want to see the story of what made Boba Fett the badass bounty hunter of all time. So, and for the love of God, please, please don't be, be in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. God, that sucks so much. <laughs> and last thing I wanted to say is... You know, you better be glad that George Lucas is not making these movies anymore because you know if Boba Fett walked out of that Sarlacc pit with, you know, his triumphant stand and then two seconds later, tentacle around the leg, back right in the Sarlacc. (laughs) You know it would happen. All right, guys. Love you guys. Take care. Can't wait to see you guys in Orlando. Bye. So my man Chuck is trying to get me to talk about my favorite thing ever. <laughs> done, Chuck. Done. 
Um, <clears throat> do I prefer the EU version of the Mandalorians or the newer version? You know, that's tough to say because there was some cool stuff in like the Tales of the Jedi comics with the Mandalorians. The EU was like the the mantle of Mandalore mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Well, was that the EU Mandalorians? They, they incorporated incorporated that into Clone Wars, didn't they, King Tom? The whole Mandalore thing being the the term for the leader of the Mandalorians. It was definitely more pronounced and had more of a history in the EU, but that's yes. where I think they got they got it from for the Clone Wars. Oh yeah, that's absolutely where they got it for from. Yeah, but like, it, it, I think the story was pretty much the same. Yeah, I think I'm not. That was part of the EU that I didn't pay too much attention to because I didn't like the way Boba Fett was treated in the EU. And now Hawes is regretting having me on. No, uh, just no. because there was like there was the the what, Jester Mareel, a fake Boba Fett. Now that stuff I don't like either. That's I just felt yeah. Th- that was one of those things that they ha- like. I feel like Lucasfilm or George Lucas should have been like no. They gave Boba Fett a real name of Jaster Mareel, and that was before Attack of the Clones. Like, he should not have let them touch any Boba Fett backstory. So then they had to go and retcon it and say that he was a fake Boba Fett and right. he had to rip off Mandalorian armor. I do not like that stuff. That is for sure. Um, some of the stuff they did in the comics with Boba Fett, like his little mini series and stuff they used to do in Dark Horse are really good, but they're just like bounty stories. You know what I'm saying? They're not like super tied into anything else. It's just Boba Fett being a badass, looking badass. Um, Honestly, I think I'm going to have to say that I prefer the new version more just because it's canon, and that's always going to be more interesting to me. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, while I I could deal with a lot more Mandalorian stuff, I do really enjoy the Mandalorian stuff from Clone Wars. I enjoy the little bits of it that we've gotten Rebels that looks like we're going to get more of. So right now I'm going to say I enjoy the new stuff more. Um, <clears throat> as far as a Boba Fett spinoff movie, the only reason I'm so tied to the idea of a post-return of the Jedi Boba Fett movie is because, A, I want them to start moving forward. I'm a little tired mm-hmm. of the in-between three and four timeline already, even though I know there's a ton of s- stuff they can fill in in those 20 years. Um, and I'm I'm tired of the in-between four and five sort of yeah. time area. And it's just because, like I said earlier in the show, I've always been more interested in what takes place after Return of the Jedi. And I yep. also really... I'm- How does the galaxy look and what happens? Right, right. And we've gotten a little bit of that, you know, with the Aftermath books and stuff and Bloodline. Um, I'm also uh, so tied to that because an After Return of the Jedi movie really cements it in the canon that Boba Fett survived. And that's what I want. But he's probably not wrong that if George Lucas was around and, and they did have Boba Fett get out of the Sarlacc, he'd probably go down like a bitch pretty soon after somehow. George Lucas had Jar Jar Binks would show up and take him out. Oh my <laughs> God, Will, you're breaking my heart. I'm just saying, if it were George, if no, it were I Uncle George, I don't know about that. I w- he'd, he'd slap Jar Jar in your face one more good time just for good measure. I think Tom, you've read through the. Have you read through the like the making of books, making of Star Wars, making of Empire? Oh yeah, yeah. 
Do you remember any of the, it's been forever. I checked the making of Jedi out of a library and I don't own a copy. I need to pick one up. Do you remember anything they detail in there about the changes to Boba Fett's storyline that were going to be in Return of the Jedi? Like, I know they originally intended for him to have a bigger role and, you know, somewhere in the process of trying to get everything wrapped up, George was just like, fuck it, kill him. Kill him in the, uh, you know, drop him in the Sarlacc. They weren't, from what I remember, uh, they weren't sure what to do with him in 3. Right. They, they had different ideas, but as far as something in the script that they didn't know. And I think, I think I wrote in um, a few months ago that there was originally an Imperial tracker on what was to become Endor. Yeah, that's right. And how that should, that should have been Boba Fett. Yeah. Have him survive the Sarlacc, but have him kind of stalk Leia and Luke and Han through the forest. I thought that would have been a cool story, but no, they didn't, really get too far with what he was doing um and that was actually a lot you know you know you were talking earlier about how i have my little archive of aol message board posts from 25 years ago there was a lot of people talking excited to see like the mandalorians in all their glory oh yeah oh i mean and that was obviously me too man like Mm -hmm. (laughs) so were you around during the whole super shadow stuff yeah, I was. I don't remember much of it, but I, I, I remember more the, the vibe than what was actually said. He was like the Mike Zero of the prequel era, right? <laughs> Where like he was just coming up with ridiculous shit and trying to pass yeah. it off as being real. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember... <clears throat> this is something that I've brought up to other people, that, but nobody really seems to remember. Do you remember after Phantom Menace, there was a fairly... I feel like a fairly intense fight in the fandom over whether Darth Sidious and Palpatine were the same person. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, my God. And people were like, guys. He's... And I was like, how can you guys? Is this... I was like, it's the same person. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. Right. And they're like, well, no, at some point, Palpatine is going to kill Darth Sidious and become the Dark Lord of the Sith. And I was like, guys, he's the same person. He's... It's a long con. Or yeah. if it, someone was and saying it was like, like an... go ahead, Will. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, someone was saying, oh, it's a clone. Right. That was the thing. In in the lead up to, because of that one line in A New Hope, you know, your father served with me in the Clone Wars, Mm -hmm. um, or you served my father in the Clone Wars. Um, Because of that whole line, everything was going to be a fucking clone in the prequels, in the lead up. And And everybody's like, oh, it's a clone. I think everybody wanted it to be more deep. You know, like, dude, it's it's not that deep. Like, George, George showed you. Palpatine and Sidious are the same person. Like, and everybody wanted to. Oh no, it's so deeper than that. Like, no, dude, it's not that deep. Like, it's mm-hmm. they wanted an I father kind of mystery. Right, right, right. Oh well, and do you remember there was even uh, speculation before the prequels? Oh, Palpatine is going to be uh, Anakin's father. Yeah, and and there was even like Boba Fett is going to be Anakin's brother, or they're going to be friends. Like, there was all these. I mean, history repeats itself. We see this same kind of shit with the sequel sequel trilogy now. You know, Mace yeah. Windu is Snoke. Oh, oh, really? Oh, really? really? Yeah. Okay, guys. So uh, that about does it for uh, this evening, King Tom, buddy. Thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Yeah, thank you for being on. No, I'm, I love the show. This is it's exciting. I've been looking forward to it and. 
thank you so much for letting me contribute. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. And like I said, uh, we will get it lined up. I know Joe's a busy guy with his work schedule, but sometime in the the future, the next couple of months, we will have a meeting of great minds. The light and the dark side of Kia D. Mundy will be hashed out in your ear holes when we have Joe and King Tom on together. And, uh, oh no, maybe I need to talk to my, uh, musical friends and make sure we got a little something extra special. You hear me, Steve D you hear me, buddy? Um, King Tom, where can all our good listeners find you? Uh, if they want to chat with you about the star Wars, uh, Twitter, Tom Chansky, C H A N S K Y. I'm on Facebook. Uh, Instagram is Admiral dot snack bar. No, uh, love it. <laughs> Twitter's the best place to get to me. Yes, yes, sir. And if you listen to any other excellent Star Wars podcasts, you will occasionally hear King Tom pop in with a well-worded, excited. I, what I love is when I see people on uh, like hosts on other podcasts be like, "Oh shit, we got a King Tom email." I saw Amanda from Rebel Girl say that one week, and I was like, "King Tom's my dude. That's right." Um, Will, buddy, where can uh, everybody find you on the internet? At Will Witten 3 That's oh. me on Twitter. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, you know where you can find us. Uh, if you like the theme song to our show and you want to support the band that was kind enough to give us the music to make that happen, they are Stoned Cobra. And you can get them on iTunes, Spotify, or at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. We have two new shirts up on the Tee Public store featuring the amazing artwork of Evan DeCellis and Ben Layton, and you can uh, get those at tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest Podcast. And uh, that's going to be about it for this week. Uh, thanks again, King Tom. Thanks, Will, for pulling your strings and making sure we got this banged out. I appreciate it, buddy. Oh, you know it. And uh, we'll see you guys next week for Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. I'm King Tom. May the Force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us. <laughs>